Back to the crossover podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports, and it is going to be a big sports day today. Uh, that said, some very sad things going on in the world of comics right now. Uh, Margot Kidder died today. The uh, original Lois Lane died at 69 years old. Uh, may she rest in peace. Also, Thanos was arrested in Toronto today. So just just a, <laughs> a sad. Sad I don't day. understand why he didn't use the Time Infinity Stone to solve some of his problems. You go, really, any, any one of them would have worked. Any right? of the Infinity Stones really could have helped him out there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, madness. Uh, anyway, that, of course, is the voice of Craig Needles. He's here, and you know if he's here, we're talking sports. We got we got a lot of sports stuff and, and a few pop culture stuff to talk about today. Mostly sports. Um I apologies in advance if we get a little East Coast biased and Toronto centric today, but uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's a lot going on with all of the Toronto teams in all across all sporting platforms. So we're, we're going to get into most of that today. Craig, where would you like to start amongst any of the? We got a variety of hot topics today in sports. What what do you have? What's what's you know. What's itching you right can away? Can we start with the Toronto Raptors decision to fire Dwayne Casey? Absolutely, we can. Um, Here's what I'll say, and then I'll let you get into it. I am pissed scared that the uh, Dwayne Casey will be the next head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers? I think you should be more worried about Dwayne Casey being the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's another one, too. Yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be a bad one. I don't Because like it, the know. Bucks were just, like, there's no reason the Bucks should have lost that series against Boston. No, Coaching was the only if, a space for Boston had an advantage, and it was an unbelievable advantage. That's true. I, that, you know, that said, next time... Presumably, next time we face the Bucks, we will have, hopefully, knock on wood, all hands on deck for for that particular season. What the Celtics are doing right now is amazing. I can't believe it. But we'll get into that. Let's let's talk about Casey. Did you? I mean, something. Did you feel that something had to be done? Because a lot of people up here felt that something had to be done. Yeah, and look, the reality is, um, you can quibble about whose fault this is as far as the roster construction goes, but. It wasn't just, uh uh-oh, LeBron ethered them this time for the Cleveland versus Toronto series. Yeah, there were a couple of games. Game two, LeBron went nuts. Game three, LeBron had that crazy buzzer beater. And as we've talked about before on this podcast, sometimes in a basketball game, you can do any, everything right, and you can have the, the right game plan in place, but you look at the, the final score at the end, and you scored less points than the other team, and you have to just say... They had LeBron James and we didn't. And that's that's all you can say sometimes. But this series was not quite that for the Raptors in some of the games, certainly in game one. Um, there were some real issues as far as lineup construction and essentially letting Kevin Love take over portions of this series to make LeBron's life a little bit easier. And yeah, Ibaka was playing very poorly and that's not Casey's fault, but should he have given Ibaka more rope? I don't know. Casey did not coach this series as well as he could have. 
and if, if, if the Raptors had lost this series in perhaps a more competitive way, perhaps you don't have to let go of Dwayne Casey, but you, you had to make a change here eventually, in my opinion. And uh, I think Dwayne Casey's obviously a great person. Everyone says he's a great guy. I, I have no reason not to believe them. I think Dwayne Casey's a very good NBA coach, but sometimes when you're kind of hitting the same ceiling over and over again, you've got to make some changes and the roster's pretty locked in. Uh, so the change was was Casey, and if that's the situation, if Mike Budenholzer comes in, then so be it. Um, but I, uh, I I I get why Masai did this. I understand it. I I wasn't jumping for joy when Casey was let go. I honestly understood bringing him back and and letting him go, whichever decision they made. But that's the situation. What did you make of his decision to keep DeRozan on the bench in Game Three when they were making that comeback? Because it, that was the, the right call. You thought so? Okay, because like to me, it felt like uh, I forget which year it is. Um, whatever year it was when the Rockets had that crazy comeback in Game Six against the Clippers, and uh, what was that? Fifteen? Two thousand fifteen? I want to say it was two thousand fifteen. Yeah. But there, there's that crazy like the, the the Clippers were on their way to the next round. They were up three games to two. They were up by eighteen or whatever it was. And then Kevin McHale sat James Harden on the bench, and the most unlikeliest of heroes, I believe it was Josh Smith and, I don't know, make up some other name here, went yeah. nuts with three-point shots, and then all of a sudden they won the game, and the Seer ended up winning Game 7 because there, no, there, there was no way the Clippers were recovering from that game, right? And No. They had to bring McHale back after that comeback, but... You know, like he completely lost James Harden at that point, and and it was very, like it was very reminiscent of that for me when he when he benched DeRozan in Game Three, and then just let the bench try to make a move. Yeah, I. The fact is, they needed LeBron to hit a shot that was eight out of ten the difficulty scale to not send that game to overtime, and they were down big. Um, so that was the lineup that was working, and Casey probably. I think he realizes this now, certainly, that he's thinking to himself, if I get swept, I'm probably losing my job. I might get swept. I might lose my job no matter how the series turns out if we don't win. But thinking to himself, if I get swept, I'm probably losing my job. Casey was coaching for his job. He thought those are the five best guys to have out there. I think he was right based on how that fourth quarter went. Um, so I have no problem with Casey's choice to do that with, with DeRozan. I think that they could have found a way to, to, to get over it. Um, but Masai... I don't think that's why Masai made this call. I, I truly don't. I think it was other things. It's so weird to think about just because of that that game one loss, like the the, the Fred Van Fleet wide open three and the and the nineteen tips the, the tips at, at the, the basket. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you heard. If, if, uh, if that game goes differently, yeah, I'm not. I don't know if the Raptors would have won the series. Cause I still think that same Kevin Love problem would have come up in mm-hmm. the the remaining games, and they would have had a hard time figuring things out. But if that goes differently, who knows what the series is like? The, the problem was, like, you went in there, I would say, mentally fragile, the Raptors franchise. And yeah. uh, that the way, like, just if, if you, uh, honestly, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is like, like, just talking head nonsense. But I feel like if you guys got blown out by 20 points in game one, it would have been better for you than to lose in that particular fashion. Because, like, the way Jonas Valanciunas had, like, five tips and it couldn't go in, and then there's that shot of him just, like, walking away going, like, are you kidding me? And then, like, nearly dropping to his knees and stuff. It was just, oh, God, it was all... It was uh, it was oh, pretty tough. Bad. Yeah, it is, is, mm, it's tough. So what do, you, what do you want the Raptors to do going forward? Like, are you... Are you 
Now, obviously, the smartest thing to do is wait and see before, like, nobody is going to do anything to their rosters until we find out where LeBron James lands, or sorry, sorry, until after LeBron James lands with the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers in the in the offseason, because he's, that's where he's going. Uh, it's in it for almost two years now, but that's where he's going. Um, I mean, I guess if you're Toronto, let's say LeBron does, in fact, my, like my prediction rings true, and he goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, you have to stick with it if you're the Raptors, don't you? Roster wise, I think you might have to run it back no matter where LeBron plays. Yeah, I mean, are you comfortable going for? Because I mean, the Raptors, it, like, if you don't touch your roster again, which I don't think Masai will. I mean, we can talk about Demar Derozan trades a little bit if you want, but um, you're gonna win forty-five plus games next year again, right? You're probably well, I, forty-five. Crack I think that. Like they, right? they got 59 this year. Like I, that's at the low end, right? Like I'm saying at the yeah. low end, you're gonna win 45 games. You're gonna probably crack 50, and be in the top one, two, three of the Eastern Conference, and you'll be right back at it again, right? And and to, like to me, the dream scenario is we somehow get like you mentioned Dwayne Casey going to the Bucks. The intriguing thing to me would be like a Raptors like three six two seven something versus the Bucks. <laughs> And Dwayne Casey's coaching the Bucks. That that would be juicy. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Now, what I would say is, based on the look of the Central Division, I'm not necessarily a big believer in the Pacers being sustainable long term with that roster. Mm. I think the Bucks with a competent coach, which Dwayne Casey certainly is, mm-hmm. I don't see the, how they don't win the division next year. Yeah. So maybe it's Bucks right. Raptors as a four or five or something, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, but, it's on the table. The Dwayne Casey and the Bucks meeting, uh, meeting the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs. That's definitely on the table. David if Stern Dwayne was, Casey goes there, if David Stern was still around. You bet he'd make that happen in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, "Oh, but just whatever we got to do, guys, set it up." Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you just got to run it back anyway. You'll probably you'll be top three. It just sucks because like if if LeBron's there, you're, you're sitting there in. And you know it's been discussed a little bit that you're, but you're you're kind of the Knicks in in circa 1990 to 1996, right? Where it was just like, hey, what are we gonna do, Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and those were those are some good teams. Those are some very good teams. And even the year that they didn't have to deal with Michael Jordan, there was Hakeem Olajuwon waiting for them in the finals. So, yeah, that that's that's probably just the the way you have to look at it is essentially what can you do because the way to the the way to beat lebron over the last seven seasons is as follows you need to have multiple all-stars on your team either the tim duncan Kawhi leonard version or the monstrosity the warriors have put together or that's it like basically if you don't have one of those combinations of players in your team since 2011 that's it you're not beating lebron in a playoff series no one else has done it so, best of luck. Yeah. Well, hopefully my Celtics can pull it off. Um, let me ask you two questions about the Raptors. One, if LeBron goes to the Western Conference, what do you think the playoff? Like, like what do you, what do you think the top end hopes for the for the Raptors fan base would be if he's in the Western Conference? I'd see no reason why they couldn't win the East. Okay. And play for a NBA championship. Yeah. And no, they'd likely be playing for that. Well. I, I don't see any combination that LeBron could reasonably put together with the Lakers that would be favored to beat Golden State in a playoff series no. next season. 
But uh, we'll see if it's him and Kawhi and Paul George and the Lakers always seem to somehow get those guys without like they're going to sign two of them. They'll probably trade yeah. Kawhi and get like give up. Nothing, but if the Sixers, but... if the Sixers want Kawhi, Kawhi is going with the Sixers. You think so? I just don't understand mm-hmm. how the Lakers could possibly fathomably put together a package that is even remotely close to what the Sixers are going to have available. And that's true. Yeah. It, it would because uh, that trade will come down to Markel Fultz though, won't it? When it uh, when it's all said and done, I think because I, I think it would depend how the Spurs doctors feel about uh, feel about Fultz on that. one. Yeah, but the the the, the Sixers also have a nice little series. Of, like they had the Lakers draft pick this season, mm-hmm. so whoever and then and if they if they don't wind up with the Lakers draft pick this season, they've got that Sacramento pick next season's protected for number one only. There's a. Uh, the, the Sixers have a pretty good draft pick war chest that the Lakers yes. never able to compete with. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, ho- I hope it happens. I mean, you're still on the LeBron to Philadelphia bandwagon? I think that if, if – I don't know if I'm on the bandwagon so much as I think it's very clear that if LeBron's plan is I want to maximize the number of championships that I win mm-hmm. in my new place of, that I'm playing basketball, that there's no other answer to where should he sign besides the Sixers. Mm-hmm. What's, what are the other answers to this question? There's know. nothing that's even close. Well, to this. He'd never go to Boston, but that would be a place to. Yeah, but Boston doesn't it. have a max contract slot available that's this offseason. That would have to be. Yeah, he'd have to take a little pay cut. Right. The 76ers have a max a max contract spot available this offseason. You can play him with Embiid and Simmons right away. Plus, mm-hmm. you'd have all sorts of really good veterans that just want to be part of the action there. You'd have a contending team right away. Yeah, and you could probably pull off a deal for Kawhi right after too. Right? I would suspect yeah. that yes, you could absolutely do that because you could turn that to two thousand. Basically, um, the, the the either the the Lakers pick this year, which is going to be in the top ten, or the Sacramento pick next year, which is going to be I would suspect very very high in the draft. That's as valuable a, a traded draft pick chip as there is in the league right now. Now, if LeBron stays in the Eastern Conference. What do you think the the top end hopes for the Raptors fan base would be? Let's just say theoretically, he resigns with Cleveland. Uh, yeah, resigns with Cle- like you know the supporting cast isn't getting better there next year, but no. it doesn't matter. Um, the top end hope is you just play as long as you don't face LeBron. Yeah, like I just like. Unless they were able to find some way to get someone who can like OG Ananobi did a fantastic job, I thought, for a rookie. They need another guy or two that can defend LeBron. They need some more defensive flexibility. Yeah, that's that's the thing is they need some more defensive flexibility in the lineup as far as guys who can defend multiple spots. That's one of the reasons why the Celtics and Brad Stevens have been so successful this season is, yeah, they've had some guys go down, but they've got a lot of guys who can defend multiple spots. What were you? What were your What were your predictions uh, before Game One? What would you have said, uh, Cavs Celtics? Like, what would your prediction have been? My prediction, I believe, would have been Cavaliers in six. I think I would have said the same thing. In fact, I did say the same thing because uh, I believe I texted you and I was seeing a lot of Cavs in five and Cavs in four. I, I saw some sweeps in there, a lot of sweeps <laughs> from the talking heads out there, and that I didn't get. That I thought was disrespectful. Brad Stevens isn't getting swept in this series. Yeah, I like that I thought was disrespectful. To Also, to the way the Celtics have played, I realize they went seven with the Bucks, but the Bucks had, again, the best player on, on the court. The Sixers series is, is really weird to me. Um, I mean, there's the Marco Bellinelli thing in game three where if he had a, you know, if his foot was like, what, 
couple inches <laughs> yeah. to the right, that that would have been a game winner, but it wasn't, and they lost. So, um, yeah, I don't know. No, I like I think the Celtics can win this series, but you know, gun to my head, I'd still say Cavs in, in six just because they've got LeBron. But I mean, they can, I I honestly feel. Put it this way, this Cavs roster, top to bottom, is the worst roster the Celtics have faced in the playoffs so far. The the Bucks and Sixers, top to bottom, unquestionably have better <laughs> rosters than the Cavs. But the yes. Cavs have flipping LeBron James, which is obviously like... That makes it very difficult. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that, that's, there's no other way around it. Um, yeah, I, I just hope the Celtics win. Rockets Warriors, you got anything you want, you want to say about that? Get tip off the night prediction for that one. Golden State in I'm going to say six. I have a hard time saying five because I just don't know if they get two in Houston. Yeah. But I think that the Warriors will be up 3-1 at one point in this series. That's I, what I say. Yeah, that's, I think I agree with you. Probably Warriors. In, I mean, it's just because this Rockets I think that the Warriors – like. I think that a lot of the Warriors, from a play-calling perspective, from an effort perspective, they've been sort of sitting in neutral here, and now they're just going to be able to ratchet it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why Curry's barely played in the playoffs. Yeah. This Rockets team is designed to specifically beat one team, though, <laughs> and it is the team that they've got in the Western Conference Finals right now, the Golden State Warriors. So it'll be yeah, fascinating to see. But You can design as much as you want, but at yeah. some point, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson are on the same team. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you can do and, – and, like, they're being coached in a, in a very efficient way. They've got some good defensive guys on the bench, like – you know, you can do like the death lineup is. I still th- still think it's going to be a problem for Houston. So I think that you can design as much as you want, but at some point, those those guys are really, really, really good, and they're all on one team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Warriors in six for me. Uh, would you trade Demar Derozan at all? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, if I I wouldn't say instantly no. Uh. But what kind of value are you getting for DeMar DeRozan, who has obviously a pretty significant amount of money left owed to him? Mm-hmm. Um, the guarantee on DeRozan, he's got $27 million per season remaining in uh, next season, the season after, and then he's got a player option for 2020. Um, so you, you owe DeMar DeRozan about $81 million the next three seasons if he opts in, or $83 million, I think. Nonetheless, um, that's that's still that's a pretty that's a pretty significant chunk of change. So what are you going to get for DeMar DeRozan if you trade him um, that doesn't require taking a very lousy contract back? And I don't know what the answer to that question is. Um, I, I would have no problem with the idea of moving DeRozan just because – you know, DeRozan has some excellent, excellent skills as far as, you know, he gets to the basket extremely well and he's, he's a good playmaker. And, and that, that, those part, the, the playmaking part of his game has become a lot better over the last year and a bit. But there are some limitations to his game defensively. There are some limitations to his game as far as the range, the jump shot uh, from three points, from the three point territory. Uh, he's not a great three point shooter. He's gotten better at that. He will have to get better at that again this offseason. And he, he works hard. DeMar DeRozan works hard, so I wouldn't rule that out. But um, I, I get there are some limitations, but I, all the other 
teams are going to get those limitations too. So I'm just not sure if you get full value back on DeMar DeRozan considering all those variables. So I, would con- I, I wouldn't say no to moving DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, but I wouldn't go looking to move him because you're probably not going to get anything that's even close to what his value is. Uh, the, the the move that scares me would be if the Lakers called him up and said, we'll give you either, let's say, Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma yeah. for DeRozan, but you got to take on Luel Dang's contract, and then that would free up you know more space for the Lakers to go and get Ron, Paul George, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it, it wouldn't because you've got to take on DeRozan's $27 million that way. True. Um, it would give, give them about nine. That would cost them nine million dollars in cash space, but that would, clearly would significantly improve their roster. That mm-hmm. trade. I'm just looking at the Lakers' contract situation right now. The Lakers would need to kick in a little something extra for that trade to to work. If it's if it's Kuzma, if it's Ingram, they have to kick in a little something extra as well. Um, I. Uh, I, I would have to think long and hard about that if I was the Raptors. Is how much? Do, what do you think of Kuzma, and is mm-hmm. that worth? Uh, is is that worth taking on the two years of Lou Elding at eighteen million bucks? Yeah, probably have to kick it. It would give you some cap space, would keep you out of the uh, mm-hmm. keep you out of the what you call the uh, the luxury tax this year, though. If that's that's what MLSE's goal is, I hope it's not. But if that's what MLSE's goal is, then they can do it. Let's hope not. Like, here's why I wouldn't trade DeRozan. Um, he stayed right. Like like Toronto's, oh, yeah. Toronto's had the big time guys. I mean, look, Tracy McGrady left. Vince Carter forced his way out. Chris Bosh left. DeRozan's the guy who stayed. So yeah. I I would maybe try. And to Demar Derozan, it's important there, right? for him to be considered unquestionably the greatest Raptor of all time. He might be there already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want someone like that who who feels that way about the franchise to stick around. So I'm not moving Demar Derozan unless I get like a stunning contract offer. Yeah. Did, did you happen to catch the Carter effect on Netflix? I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but uh, Shaman Artiga, who I went to school with, uh, directed it. So I'm That's looking forward awesome. to seeing. It. Shout out to him. It's good. I I mean I I really enjoyed it. Although the like I won't spoil anything. Although I don't know exactly what I can spoil for you because it's a documentary. I lived through it. Stuff you <laughs> well, live through and know yeah. about. But it was it was very funny to me as as a guy who's not a Raptors fan who lived through the Vince Carter era and watched what that accomplished in Toronto as far as the popularity for the sport here. But not a lot of great basketball highlights in Vince Carter's uh, repertoire that aren't just you know wide open dunks off of turnovers. Yeah. yeah. Not not a lot of. Well, yeah, remember a, he had that like ring of, string of buzzer beaters in his second season. I don't know how much of that they would have shown, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, a lot of it was like I, the the most basketball footage we really got was the uh, the 2000 dunk competition, right? Where it was just like, I it really got me thinking. I'm like, wow, was the 2000 dunk competition really the peak of Vince Carter's career? Like, I, I it, and I think one could argue it was. <laughs> I, I think I that just, I think that there's a pretty good argument there. I'm trying to think because. Like Vince Carter was never the best player on a conference finals team. He no. was one shot away from being the best player on a conference finals team. Has Vince Carter ever even been on a conference finals team? Period. Yeah, was he on. He was on 2009. The uh, Orlando Orlando, team. Orlando who got yeah. like destroyed by the Celtics. 
Um, that was the Pierce. Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't 2009. It was because that was year Orlando got to the finals. Yeah, 2009 they got to the finals. Carter wasn't on there, but he was. He signed in the off season in 2010. So it was 2010 he made the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, yeah, Big Baby made a buzzer beater in that series, that 2010 series. Remember that? Right. Yeah. 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 That was <laughs> that was the weirdest outcome of the game. But like to me, there is a play in that series that I'll never forget. It was during Game One. You and the guys were over at my house and we were having a barbecue because it was one of those. Sunday afternoon games, much like the uh, same same thing we had uh, this week, where the Eastern Conference Finals was a three o'clock game on a Sunday. And this play to me, and I, like maybe I'm painting with a broad brush here, but this play to me summed up kind of what Vince Carter's career was all about. In that Carter got the ball, went up strong, got his shot blocked, and and by the way, they were down. I think I think Orlando was down by like. 13-14 at this point on their own home court in a game one of a playoff game. Carter went up strong, and Garnett blocked his shot. Uh, but Carter got the rebound, went up strong again, and I think Kendrick Perkins came by and blocked the shot again. And then Carter got a third rebound, went up strong a third time, and Kendrick Perkins blocked the shot again. Vince Carter miraculously got the ball back a fourth time took one dribble and I remember went up stronger than just about as strong as I've ever seen anybody go up went through Perkins and Garnett and absolutely hammered the basketball home for two points and then he took five steps away from the basket and was doing that Vince Carter flex thing that he did but and was like preening to the crowd and trying to get the crowd psyched up he took five steps to do that but by the third step the Celtics had already had the ball up the court and Rondo got a layup (laughs) <laughs> right like, so, yeah, that's good stuff right you know so it was just to me it was like wow that's like kind of vince carter in a nutshell where he was like he could have taken up strong and dunked it like that anytime he wanted to but you know never but never really had like that kind of drive and gumption that you know certain guys like you know i hate using this guy's name but kobe bryant would be one right like like if you could kind of put kobe bryant's like drive into vince carter's like at the, like just that pure athleticism that he had, and, and he was a great jump shooter and stuff. And ah, uh, I don't know. It's one of those, well, uh, things. yeah, no, uh, you're, you're you're yeah, you he did he did not want it as he was not as competitive as as some other people who have played basketball at this level. Um, as far as teams that Vince Carter was the best player on, um, that because he was, certainly was not the best player on that Magic team. Um, no, no. That was back when Dwight Howard was good and that still was carried. yeah yeah yeah. Um, I I the most successful team he was ever on was the ninety nine two thousand Raptors or the sorry the oh one Raptors excuse me. How many games did they win? They got to Game Seven against Philadelphia. Yeah, and right. The, yeah, the infamous the, missed shot. Yeah, the, the game so as far as the te- as far as teams Vince Carter was the best player on that was the best team he was ever on. Yeah, and that was so that was that was a missed shot on a day he went to. <laughs> He, he uh, the, the graduation, graduation North Carolina. Carolina. That's right. Which is I don't know. They're really weird. That's a really weird moment in. Uh, I don't know if it's in Toronto. Because where do you stand on that with with Carter going to his graduation? He should never have gone to the graduation. Never have gone to the graduation. You think? I remember Bruce Bowen no. was up here on Tim and Sid one time, and they asked him about that, and Bruce was Bruce Bowen said something to the effect of, "Yeah, if I was on that Raptors team, there's no way in hell Vince Carter is going to his graduation on a game seven. But it's just so weird because. Well, remember that was at the height of Vince Carter's going to leave for Washington after next season. Yeah, 
And it was all, oh my God, they've got to make Vince happy. It was a different time as far as contracts for NBA superstars. And it was a different time as far as the whole, um, you know, everyone wants their own team type of thing. It was before the summer of 2010 and LeBron and the Heat kind of changed the way NBA stars themselves feel about building teams. And that's, in my opinion, thanks to the CBA. The CBA is the reason why that happened. Nonetheless, um, it was a different time. If I think that if the Tracy McGrady-Vince Carter situation goes down again yes. 10 years after it did, yeah. those guys likely wind up playing on the same team for a long time. Yeah, that's the door. That's the, you know, door number two right here that, that I wish we could have entered is... Trace McGurdy left because he he was felt like he was in Vince's spotlight, right? Like, and yeah, he wanted Vince's his own, shadow. Yeah, Vince's he wanted shadow, his own sorry. team. Yeah, and he wanted his own team, and then this, and I'm just like, wow! In 2018, like if the, if you transplant those guys into 2018, not only do, do their games miraculously uh, translate into the 2018 play, especially Tracy's, but like, yeah, they would stay together, right, and be like, let's build a super Imagine team. Imagine Tracy McGrady oh. in 2018, as far as like the defensive switches and all that stuff goes, he'd have been oh. like a really valuable player, and really valuable player, tall and long, and could yeah. shoot the three. Oh yeah. man, it's insane. he'd have been one hell. Like he'd have, he'd have played a lot of four, obviously, in yeah. this era. That would have been super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> something to think about. That that's the one thing that annoys me about that. As I'm not, and I'm not even. A Raptors fan, so I can't. Like that would bug the shit out of me if I was a Raptors fan. Is just yeah. that like Trace McGrady leaving timing so. and errors and things yeah. that don't work out. You know, yeah. what are you nope. gonna do? Uh, yeah, the Carter effect. Check it out on uh, on on Netflix. I thought that was a lot of fun, uh, and I had no idea Director X was from Toronto. Some that that somehow slipped past me. Nope. Um, do you want to get into the NHL or do you want to talk a little Blue yeah, Jays? No. Uh, let's do NH- NHL. I was hoping that. Well, do you want to do the Leafs general manager situation, or do you want oh, to? Oh, we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely uh, talk about that if we're going to talk about hockey. Would you like to discuss that first before we get into the playoffs? Yeah. Because uh, I'm thrilled with the Leafs general yeah. manager hire. Mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas is the right hire. Yeah. I think that there are going to be some changes this offseason. I don't think we're going to see any more Roman Polacks about, which is going to be good news for my heart. <laughs> uh, 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 I don't think we're going to be see like. Uh, Leo Komarov, very useful player at his peak, but I think it became pretty clear to everybody, Mike Babcock included, during the playoffs and even before the playoffs for the non-Mike Babcock division, that Leo Komarov's done. Was he the one who got licked by... Yes, Ugh, he was son. one of the ones. I would, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That you Leo Komarov like... done as an NHL player. Well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say done as an mm-hmm. NHL player, but you just can't be effective if you're, if you're spending a lot of time with Leo Komarov on the ice anymore. So yeah. maybe you can find a fourth line role somewhere, but uh, the Leafs have better internal options to Komarov when it comes to the wings, so I think that's what they are going to go with. Yeah, that's uh, probably, I, I, I think that's a smart decision. I'm really, I was really upset with the Dubas thing, because... Not not from a Leafs perspective because that was obviously a brilliant move. I, you know, much respect for Kyle Dubas, but uh, like remember the my Avalanche who after many years of of completely disregarding the analytics era to great shame of the franchise. I think it led to you know the the whole Patrick Waugh yep. and some some really silly. Uh, Conversations. Patrick Wad, the most anti. Although it was hilarious, because Patrick Wad, the most the anti- goalie pulling thing just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, like the most yeah. anti-analytic guy of all time, and he, and Patrick Wad is going to go down his brief coaching career in the NHL. He is going to go down as like having paved the way for people to pull the goalie super early because the math says you should do this because it increases your odds. However, so slightly like the percentage of tying it, right? Like it's just bizarre that like we're like 
honestly, like, we're doing it now, but ten years from now, you and I are going to, like, really look back. Hey, remember Patrick Waugh? <laughs> remember all that weird stuff he did? And, oh, God. Yeah. So strange. But, yeah, the Avalanche, I remember, tried to poach Dubas. There was, like, a two-day yep. period or 24-hour yep. period where I was like, oh, my God, Kyle Dubas is going to be the next GM of the Avalanche. This is brilliant. And then the Leafs shut that down right quick, and I was just kind of like, oh, that was – And to me, to, to me, that's why this, this outcome was so obvious is oh, if you're the Leafs, the only way you shut that down is give us a year, then you get to be general manager of this team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, he wouldn't have stayed on to be assistant general manager permanently. No way. No, no, no way. So it was pretty clear that this is the way it was going to go. And like everyone's claiming that Lou Lamorella was blindsided. Like I don't work there, and, no. but he, he shouldn't have been like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't work there, but uh, it should have been pretty clear that, you know, you convince Kyle to stick around. I don't, I think can only think of re- one reason why that would have happened. Yeah, and like Lou has like everybody's saying he's gonna go to the Islanders and work with his son yes. anyway. So what would what would you know? If I'm Lou, I'm like sure. I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks, but also like, if you're the Islanders fans, you got to be thinking like, okay, if like if Lou signs with the Islanders, that's a good sign because I don't think Lou goes to the Islanders if he doesn't have a little sit down with John Tavares first type of a thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I uh, I don't know. Like, if it's a game of musical chairs, Lou is running out of chairs. True. Um, so I don't like maybe he wants to have a sit down with John Tavares, but if I'm John Tavares, I'm like as much as, you know, Barzell looks like he's a player and that's there's the, some other... that's the thing that really Barzell is, is what really like the, the, like if, if John Tavares was doing the old uh, mafia line where he goes, you know, like just every time I think I'm out, they pull me back <laughs> in that like Barzell would be the reason. He comes back yeah, but one, there's right? still just a lot of holes in that roster. And yeah. perhaps more importantly, and also a lot Snow. of Get him a, there's, there. there's a lot of Gar Snow involved and there's a lot of not great contracts. Mm. Um, and if you're thinking, if you're John Tavares, you're sitting there looking at, okay, you know, how competitive is this team going to be in my little window here where I've got three or four years where I'm still going to be an upper echelon guy? I don't know how competitive you're going to be when, as you owe Johnny Boychuk at 34 years old, six million bucks for the next four seasons. Yeah. And he has no movement clause. I don't know how competitive that makes you. I don't think Boychuk's a bad player, but think he, he's the type of guy where it goes away pretty fast. Uh, I don't know how competitive you're going to be when you owe Cal Clutterbuck $3.5 million for the next four seasons. Why was that contract ever signed? Cal Clutterbuck's 30 years old. Yeah, you've got Barzell locked in on an entry-level deal for the next two seasons. That's great news. But I look at the oh, Andrew Ladd for the next four seasons. You owe him $5.5 million. Andrew Ladd's 33 years old this summer. Um, I just Or sorry, 33 years old in December. Either way. You just look at that, and, and for me, it's um, – I, I just don't know if, if, if that's the attractive outcome if I'm John Tavares when you look and you think to yourself, hey, the San Jose Sharks have a ton of cap space, and they've got some pretty good players in that team who are locked up for a little while, and I can go and I can play in what is quite honestly a lousy division that was just won by an expansion team. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe Thornton also said he'd take a pay cut come back so that's yeah something. so the san jose sharks look like not a bad option if you're john Tavares. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know loves to uh, he's a big game hunter right yeah yep. it's true it's true if you look at the sharks the cap sheet is maybe the cleanest cap sheet in the league other than the paul martin thing they owe him 4.8 million bucks 
next season. You can get rid of one season of Paul Martin at $4.8 million. Other than the Paul Martin thing, it's a very clean cap sheet. Very clean cap sheet going forward here. Some people don't like the Bodker contract, whatever. They can live with that. Um, they don't owe any forward ascent other than Melker Carlson and Mikel Bodker after the 2019 offseason. Like they can, they can do some things. They can bring in Tavares and somebody else without really having to stress other than maybe, like I said, getting rid of Paul Martin's contract, which I'm sure they'll be able to do. So to me, to me, San Jose is a landing spot. Yeah. The alternative is, and I don't know how likely this is, but if you're Tavares, you have to at least consider the, in all likelihood, one-year, $17 million contract the Leafs are going to offer you. That's true. I just, man, <laughs> hockey, in, in hockey, like in, in basketball, I think you can do that. The, the, the injury risk is higher. Like yeah, I just I that's really... that's true. It is. Yeah. But what I will say is, you would have to suffer a catastrophic injury to not get paid. True. In the summer of 2019, if you're John Tavares, and the odds of that are low, you can insure the heck out of the contract. Whatever mm-hmm. you can insure, insure the heck out of it. If I don't play hockey anymore after season whatever, after this date, then you, I insurance company, you owe me 40 million bucks, mm-hmm. and someone will pick up that policy somewhere for you know 500 grand or whatever it happens to be. It doesn't matter. Um, I just look think to myself, you can probably extend your max earning potential by taking one year and 17 million bucks from Toronto. Now, the Leafs can't go beyond that because they've got to pay Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner next summer. So they can't go crazy. But if, if, if the plan is, you know, the, the music's going, you don't find a spot that you particularly like, there, there are ways that um, you can make a lot of money this season and then jump into the free agent pool again next summer if you're so inclined. And you probably come out ahead financially. I just think that uh, I think you're right that San Jose is probably going to, but Doug Wilson is going to back up the Brinks truck. I think for I, I think San Jose is by far the most sensible landing spot. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense because he gets max value money wise, and he'll be on a contender. And yep, like you said, in, team. in a terrible, terrible division where they're going to yep. be a at worst a three seed every year for the next the three Ducks four years. Ducks are a disaster. They're with some so of their lousy mid. contracts. They're yeah. in real trouble. Um, and I, I texted you this yesterday. When the odds come out for the 2018-2019 season, we are hammering the under on the Las Vegas Knights. Like yeah. we are hammering the under on that team. I'm like I'm fully prepared to say the, like that the Golden Knights don't even get a sniff of the playoffs next year. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, but the over under is likely going to be. Hey, are the Golden Knights going to get 102 points? And the answer yeah. to that is no. They will yeah. not. Yeah, they will it's, not do that. Yeah. Um, that that might be impacted. I, I think that the Golden Knights have have, and I you know famous last words. The Golden Knights are in for a rude awakening that they've already sort of gotten part of, which is in game one, yeah. Winnipeg and Nashville are unquestionably the two best teams in the league, and Vegas is not close to those two teams. Yeah, not close. So not that anyone else in the Pacific Division is. I think the same thing would be happening to the Sharks right now, <laughs> the Kings, or whoever it happens to be. But no one is close to Winnipeg and Nashville, at least not in the Western Conference. Maybe not in the league. Well, certainly not in the league, in my opinion. Those two teams are by far and away the class of the NHL. And that series, that seven-game series, while there wasn't a lot of like crazy close overtime games, it was still a fun-to-watch series. I would suspect that uh, the fact that the Jets won that game seven will tell us that they are going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think so. And... You know, we came on last time we came on to talk uh, hockey, or maybe the time before that. We we talked about how when there's one Canadian team left, the American media kind of thinks like, "Oh, all of Canada must be cheering for this team." And in most cases, that's not true. Yes. Uh, 
it might be true in this scenario because like I'm rooting the he- for the heck out of this Winnipeg Jets team. I I've got a hot take. Go ahead. I very much want the Washington Capitals to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Capitals. you know what? That that here's the thing. Let, let let's just slide right into NHL talk. Although I do want to say one more thing about Kyle Dubas before yes. we get into it. Uh, I just want to say I am very invested in him being good because I would really like this to, like I'm not a Leafs fan. I would really like this to work out so that we can slowly but surely pull the NHL out of their old guys. Yes, if Kyle like, du- if Kyle Dubas is the general manager of a team that won a couple of Stanley Cups, I think mm-hmm. not that the Blackhawks weren't using analytics. Of course they were. They just weren't as as public about it. Yeah. Um, that would I think that would really do a significant number on that particular debate. Yeah. But let's talk about this, Craig. Is this Alexander Ovechkin's year? Probably not, but I oh. hope that it is. Um, uh, up 2-0, next two games in Washington. Oh, oh God. no, I think they're going to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. I think that once they get there, the Winnipeg Jets are going to blow their doors off. What happened to Tampa? It, it, like, I did not, like, a gun to my head, I would have said Tampa in six, probably. I was, I was saying, I was saying Tampa in five and Winnipeg in five before these two series started. Interesting, you would have went five. I would have said six yeah. just because I think the Capitals are, are. I just thought the Capitals would have been like, oh wow, we finally beat Pittsburgh. You know how sometimes yeah. in the in the horror film, you, yeah. you 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 think you got the guy dead and then you just exhale yeah. for a second and something bad happens to you. True. That's what I kind of thought the Capitals were going to be into. Like, oh okay, finally we've gotten past Sidney Crosby. We've never beaten that guy in the playoffs before. And I thought Tampa Bay was just going to smoke him out of the gate. I was way off. Maybe the Caps were a team of destiny or something. I don't know. Um, one way to test someone's hockey knowledge is ask them whether the 2018 Washington Capitals are better than the 2017 Washington Capitals. They say yes. They're not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> they just happen to get some bounces against Pittsburgh. That's the only difference. Yeah. Um, well, you haven't even talked about the biggest – because I would lo- – because, like, I, you know, I, I sometimes think of this in, in, in terms of who would have the best DVD. And other than Tampa – the other three teams have three great championship DVDs if they were to win it, because obviously Vegas would have the like the expansion. You'd start team. with you'd start with the footage from the expansion draft. Exactly, you'd be like there. the expansion draft, Las Vegas, and then Winnipeg obviously be like the you know it'd be like the Stanley Cup hasn't been in Canada since 1993. Yeah, and Tampa's would just kind of be like Stevie Eiserman put together this great team. I'd be like, eh. Uh, but like, drafted well for a long time in a row. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the, the Capitals would be like, you know, for seven tries, they never got past Sidney Crosby. Yeah. And then finally, they did. And I would love it if, because remember they were down 2-0 to Columbus. And then Lars Eller scored arguably the worst overtime goal in the history of the game. And I would love it if that was the catalyst that finally got the Capitals over the hump. Was this this dog shit of a goal where Lars Eller just crashes the net and it pinballs off five guys, hits him in the upper right thigh, goes in. He doesn't even realize it right away. And then goes, ah! <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, I would love it if that was what, like, just finally turned it around for for this, like, era of the Capitals franchise, which has just been so snake bit. Oh, God. Uh, I just like the idea of Alexander Ovechkin holding the Stanley Cup. Just imagine the party. Everybody eating it, right? Yeah. 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 A lot of people that have had a lot of bad takes over the years have to eat it. And just imagine the party Alexander Ovechkin would have with the Stanley Cup. Yeah. It's really, it's, it it warms your heart to think about it. Yeah. Oh God. So great. Um, so I would like to see the Capitals win the Stanley Cup, but I just don't know if anyone's stopping the Jets at this point. 
I, I... And the thing with the Jets is, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, here's how you build teams in the NHL. There's all sorts of different theories. Um, everyone's like, okay, you need to, you know, load up with superstars or you need to uh, finish last a bunch of years in a row and get a star player. Uh, certainly that helps. It certainly helped the Maple Leafs. But the since 2011, since the Jets came back in the league, here are the first-round picks. Mark Shifley, Jacob Truba, Josh Morrissey, Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine. If you get your first-round pick right six years in a row, you're probably going to wind up with a pretty good hockey team. And that's what Winnipeg did. And, and other than Laine, there were no obvious ones there. There were no easy ones. No, Mark, Shif- like, like Mark Shifley played for the Barry Colts up here. And yeah. I remember I used to have to talk people that like there were people up here when he played for the Colts who like the word lazy got kicked around and an and awful lot in terms of Shifley. And I remember watching him going, what the hell are you talking about? And I sat there in the Molson Center when the Knights came to town in that uh, I think it was 2011 uh, when when the Colts, uh, the Knights came in down 2-1 and the Colts were up. Sorry, the Colts were up 2-1 in the series, but the Knights went in. You're the thinking third of 2013, period. I think. 2013, thank you. Yeah. Um, and the Colts went. The Colts were down 4-2 in that period, and Mark Shifley had a four-point third period, and they stole the game from the Knights and went up 3-1. Now the Knights later rallied, and there was that crazy Bo Horvat buzzer beater in Game Seven that broke the hearts of the Barry Colts. But Shifley was a monster in that series, and every time he had the puck, I was pissed scared. And I, it confirmed that because I was in the building. Shifley had 41 points in 21 playoff games that season, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and he had four point third period in that yeah. in that come in that comeback, and uh, and just I remember everybody around Barry calling him lazy and stuff like that, and I was just like, you guys are out of your goddamn minds. And when he went to the Jets, I was I remember thinking, good for them, absolutely yeah. good for them. Well, it certainly worked out uh, yeah. <laughs> because he's, he's one of the best guys in the league. And yeah, like I said, if. It gets the, it gets pretty easy to build your hockey team when you get your first round pick right six times in a row. And again, other than other than Ehler, uh, not Ehler, sorry, other than Line, there weren't a lot of obvious ones there. Mm-hmm. And so you could argue about Morrissey as oh they could have taken. Well, no, actually that that was actually a really lousy first round. Yeah, you know, I guess Shea Theodore who went twenty six is is the argument. But Morrissey I think is a pretty good player, and you, you can you can get argumentative about whether Morrissey was the right guy to go with there. I think he was relative to the the draft at the time, but you get your first round pick right that many times in a row, you're going to wind up being pretty good. Plus, you already had Dustin Bufflin. Plus, you already had Tobias Enstrom and Brian Little. Like, you've got some good players. So, everyone criticized the way that this team was built, and it was slow, and it was steady, but it seems to be working out right now. Oh, wow. They were just waiting for some goaltending. They finally got some goaltending this year. And, and here was, we go. Yeah, that was what I was about to say, was this could have happened a lot sooner. Like, two or three years ago, this could have happened, I think. But it, yeah. like, it, it was just... Well, the series against the Anaheim, they had a lot of problems in goal, obviously, and oh, they got yeah. swept in that you, series. You and I picked... Yeah, they got swept. You and I picked the Jets in seven in that series. I remember that, and we were... I, 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 I just thought they would have the puck enough that their goaltending wouldn't destroy them. Yeah, and, and it didn't go down. Anaheim like surprised me a little bit, and plus, Winnipeg's goaltending destroyed them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's just imagine... Imagine... Like, like, look at what a save will give you. Like, they finally got yep. a save. Like, from time to time. Like, just give me a save. That was all they and needed. Save this year, but they got a Vesna-caliber goaltending yeah. from Connor Hell. Which, yeah, that, that helps you. That helps you. So, I... Uh, yeah, this is a team that's not only good now, but they're set to be good 
for a pretty long time here. It's going to be a couple of years. Like basically, they're going to be able to run it back with this group next season. Um, the season after that is when they might start making some difficult choices because you know, Line is going to have to get paid and a few other things. But they're going to be able to run it back with this group for for another year after this. So um, they're in a they're in a really 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 good spot. The thing that had me confused for this one was oh Stasny will be gone, but yeah, Stasny will be gone. And, Such luck. They they were already one of the best teams in the league before they got Stasny. I did like the fact that Stasny had a killer game seven against the Nashville Predators. Felt a little bit like the Colorado Avalanche got a little bit of revenge on the back end there. <laughs> Somehow I was just <laughs> like, ooh, that's a little funky. Paul Stasny hunting the Nashville Predators. <laughs> but yeah, uh, by, by scoring weirdo random goals that should never have gone in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we can talk about Pekka Rene if, if yeah, you let's want. Talk about that. So let's talk about that. Pekka Rene is gone. In my opinion, I don't like Peter. There's no way like it's ba- it's basically the, the DeRozan thing that we were just talking about, which is Laviolette made a stand in that game too. two softies like S.A.W.F.T. that went in and he was just like, that's it. I'm not going down with this guy uh, and Zvaros get in there. <laughs> and the problem is Zvaros is legit is the thing, though. Right? Oh, he's like, a good player. Right. And so. Rene's got to be gone, and I would submit to you, Craig, that the Carolina Hurricanes should try to get Pekka Rene, because you and I have often thought that, you know, speaking about a team that needs a save, the goddamn Carolina Hurricanes. They've they, needed a save for... If they get average goaltending, like, I don't know what their attachment is to this Cam Ward thing, but if they get average goaltending, they're, like, what, a fourth or a five seed next year? They have a chance to be real good, yeah. yeah. Um, now... This past season that we just saw from Pekka Rene is kind of the outlier. Mm-hmm. He's been like either slightly below average or excellent his entire career, and there really hasn't been any in between. Because you look at his save percentage, like 927 last year, yeah. and you got some 908 years in there, 923 three years ago, mm-hmm. and you got a 902 year, 922 in 2011, 2012. So he's either excellent or slightly below average, and there isn't a lot of in between with him. Um, I think that if you can get someone to buy in on him being excellent for the one year he has left on his contract, that's what you should probably do is, 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 is make the deal. And the Predators, things are going to get a little bit interesting this offseason. Um, they have some decisions that they're going to have to make. Uh, they should be able to bring the vast majority of this year's team back, but it would make it easier. Piece. Yeah. Yeah. It would make it, it would make it easier to just you know breathing up against the salary cap or whatever internal budget they have if they say to themselves okay you know what let's just try to uh, go on the cheap a little bit with goaltending um none of their their big time guys need need new deals and even their depth guys like austin watson signed for two more years after this kelly arncroft signed a ridiculous contract for some reason that i was a six-year two million dollar a year deal i never understood why he signed that uh, so they're going to need defensemen this offseason. That's 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 about it. But yes, it would it would make it a little bit easier if you could find a few bucks from the uh, uh, from the from the goaltending pot to put it in there. Saros is a restricted free agent, by the way, at the end of the season. So, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> if some team tries to offer sheet him, some team ooh! could hypothetically, because if you look at ooh! Nashville's commitments this year, yeah. next season, their projected cap hit for their their roster as currently stands is sixty seven million dollars. That is, again, needing to replace Fisher, Hartnell. Not big money guys. You need a new contract for Ryan Hartman, and you got to replace Alexi Emelin. 
one last so they thing. need to work on the depth. That's it. Yeah. One last thing I want to mention uh, NHL-wise. We talked about earlier about how David Stern would have thrown his body in front of, you know, like to make sure that Toronto Bucks happen next year. Um, Gary Bettman, who is a Stern underling, is staring at a, a Winnipeg-Washington finals. Or, sorry, Winnipeg-Washington finals. That's Yeah, that's the most likely outcome right now, yes? Yeah. Um, Winnipeg-Tampa, I think, would be the worst. Winnipeg-Washington, they'll get some of the casual viewers in the States, I think. With I think. Ovechkin, yeah. Winnipeg Can Ovechkin finally get the cup? Yeah. yeah, so I think that'll work. Winnipeg-Tampa is obviously by far, from, from an, a standpoint of the Americas, not a sexy matchup. Although they'd be missing out because that'd be a hell of a series. Um, I was thinking the other day, if the Las Vegas Golden Knights somehow won the Stanley Cup, would their fans know that they have to boo Gary Bettman when he goes out there? or would they, Probably not. Would they cheer would be the thing. And on the flip side of that, the Winnipeg Jets, Greg, if you thought Bettman has been vehemently booed before... Like, this might get to the levels of Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan joined the NWO. Type. Like, there might be that type of heat in when Batman goes out to I to think Vince. I, to... I think Gary Batman's shown a little bit of propensity to go a little bit Vince McMahon when it comes to the booing thing, where he's kind of oh, like, you know, yeah. steers into it. Unlike Roger Goodell, who just stands up there like a robot. Oh and God. I always say that if I were Roger Goodell, I would walk out. Like, you wouldn't want to play Vince McMahon's music because it's a little too on the nose. But you yeah. know how McMahon has his, like, you know, typical Vince McMahon strut where he's waving his arms <laughs> yeah. as he walks? If I were Roger Goodell, that's how I'd walk when I was coming out and I do a bunch of thousands of nfl fans were about to boo me because remember like and, well here's the thing about that like on that note we should have the draft at the like i, I i'm not a cowboys fan and i i, I kind of you know scoff at the whole america's team nonsense a tremendous performance by them at the draft this year in dallas and oh I yeah think we should have the draft in dallas every year going yeah forward they're talking about doing it in nashville next year like why are, like i understand like if i were an nfl executive because nashville is apparently a super fun city so i get why you would want yeah. this but from the perspective of like the, the the show you're gonna be able to produce, it's not even gonna be close to what Dallas is doing. No, and like Dallas booed him with the same intensity at pick number one as they did at pick 32. Yeah. Even when it was the Cowboys' turn to pick, I think they had like pick 17 or something. Like when he came out, they booed him mercilessly, and he had this like horrible line where he was just like. I can't believe that you're booing the Dallas Cowboys pick or something. And it was like, clearly, clearly yeah. he went out there saying, I'm going to say this when I get up there. Right? It was just like Somebody wrote that for him backstage. Yeah. Like, oh, just say this, Roger. Or okay. programmed it into him and then, then yeah. stuck it into his hard drive right before he went out there. God. I don't like, I don't understand why Jerry Jones didn't go out there in the middle just to like, you know, draw some positive heat from the crowd. Like, yeah. Roger Goodell's out there standing and Jerry Jones just like walks on stage. Hey, everybody. And yeah, see, so, yeah, I... They should have done are that. Are they fond of Jerry? Like, are the Cowboys fans very fond of Jerry? Or, or I they... think relative to Roger Goodell, they are. Yeah, you're... <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, fair point. If I were a Cowboys fan, I don't know, because here's the thing. I've cheered for teams before where ownership, it, it was pretty clear they didn't care whether or not the team was winning. Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. Um, Ooh, so, like, if you can, people can complain about their cable and satellite bills from Rogers and Bell all they want, but those two organizations very much care as to whether the Leafs and Raptors do well, whereas the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund, just like, whatever, cash those checks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've... 
a, a, a sports team owner that is deliberately being cheap and not caring whether the team succeeds on the ice, that's the worst you can have. Say, There's a lot of things you can say about Jerry Jones, many of them negative. Mm-hmm. But does Jerry Jones care whether the Dallas Cowboys win football games or not? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, Very he does. Point. Is Jerry yeah. Jones willing to write his own massive checks in order to ensure the Dallas Cowboys win more football games? Yes. Yes, he is. So if I were a Cowboys fan, like I'd be frustrated with some of the silliness that surrounds Jerry, but generally I would be pro Jerry Jones. And he hasn't been as reckless with the checkbook as say a Dan Snyder has been, right? Where Dan sure. Yeah. Was always like, especially during that run in the early two thousands, where Snyder was like, "Oh my God, an aging mega, you know, like a, me, Deion Sanders on this exactly, team. an aging superstar okay. is well past his prime. Hundred million, please, yeah. <laughs> right? Like every 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 friggin' time, like." Bruce Smith, sure. Yeah, exactly. um, Albert Hainsworth. Like, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, if we're using the uh, Dan Snyder as a competent NFL owner, bar Jerry Jones easily clears it. Yeah, well, because yeah, because I mean, it's not yeah, absolutely. But I mean, Snyder, I'm just saying, on the same wave, like Snyder cares, yeah. uh, like he cares enough, but he metal. He, He's he, also he metals way too much. He whereas metals, Jerry yeah, metals, yeah. but not like a crippling amount. Yeah, other than the uh the the friggin' uh, Jimmy Johnson thing. That was the only time that they probably they were they should have throttled back Jerry a little bit. Yes. At yes. the time I think Jerry was like, I can win with this team anyway, right? Which you know, fair enough. <laughs> like it didn't it didn't end up going that way, but uh, yeah. 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 No, uh, and well, Jerry was right. He did win a Super Bowl with Barry Switzer. True, yeah. <laughs> it's all Jimmy's players, but he did yeah. win a Super Bowl with Barry Switzer. Yeah. Turns out these those returns were diminishing, though, as time went on. Yeah. No. Oh, um, yeah, I, I I think they should just do it in Dallas all the time. Yeah. That's just me. I agree. I agree. Um, Toronto Blue Jays, Craig. Yeah. Is there a... what? What would you say the percentage chance are... That in October, when we're watching the playoffs and, and the Jays aren't there, which I don't think they will be, that I turn to you at some point or I send you a text or something and I say, you know what? May 8th. That was the day that uh, shit got fucked up for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, I and if you want to say that's how you knew this was going to be the season that didn't go particularly well, I think mm-hmm. that's fair. Because everything but... was going... Pretty okay. damn well before. Well, yeah. it, it's a little bit smoke and mirrorsy from perspective of a few guys who are yep, yep. hitting above their heads. Uh, look, you know, soon a thing. Look, I, I I wish the best for the person, obviously that uh, was the uh, alleged victim in this situation. Um, and I don't mean to belittle what happened there by talking about the baseball element of this, mm-hmm. but and the Jays are going to be at that Osuna for a while. So be it, and I'm fine with that. I want to be clear. I think the fact that Roberto Osuna is not pitching right now is a, is a good thing. The Indeed. fact that the Blue Jays didn't give away Roberto Osuna t-shirts is a good thing. Um, but as far as how it impacts the Jays and the baseball diamond, uh, I don't know how huge the impact of losing a reliever can be relative to some of the other significant problems this team has with, uh, uh, with starting pitching and a couple of guys who are really having a hard time finding their way. Um, so... I just don't know, no matter what Osuna was involved in, whether they got no hit last week or not, at some point, I just think that there wasn't going to quite be enough talent. Were you cheering for James Paxton at a certain point? Uh, eventually I was. Yeah. I, probably till the, well, yeah, if it was one nothing, I wouldn't have been, but since it was 5 nothing, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. And it, because he was Canadian, I thought that would be a pretty cool story, even though... Uh, um, if... 
this alleged stuff that uh, Osuna is being accused of rings true, do you want him to come back as a Toronto Blue Jay at some point? That's a difficult question. Because I will straight up say no. Yeah. I will straight up say no. You, and, and... Here's your, I won't be sad if he doesn't. In fact, yeah. I'll be happy if he doesn't. But I'm not going to sit here and hold my breath thinking that's a likely outcome. I, I will straight up say no. And here's why. You, you know I hate a hypocrite. Um, we sat here for uh, the last three or four years with the, when the Texas-Toronto rivalry, if you can call it yeah. that. Although I think Texas would have to have actually won at some point to call it a rivalry. Um, and Matt Bush and the whole thing. Matt Bush was there, and I, I lobbed a lot of grenades about, about the whole Matt Bush thing, and I, I thought it was absolutely disgusting that he was allowed back in the league. I still think that, and and I don't want to be put in the position to have to defend or even root for somebody who's been accused of the things that uh, Roberto Osuna is accused of. Now, maybe that's high horsey of me. I don't know, but... That's I don't know. That's just the way I am. If if this stuff rings true, this is not a guy I'm gonna want to root for. And I lobbed so many grenades at Matt Bush that I don't want to then, you know, have to deal with it. So I, I just me personally, Matt Pierce, sitting here talking to you on this podcast, I I would say if, if this stuff rings true, then then no, that's a no from me. Is is how I would put it. I, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but yeah, I. I, again, I I suspect that at some point he's going to be back on the roster. I don't have to make my piece of that then. But if the Blue Jays announced today, you know what, Roberto Suna is not coming back, I wouldn't be sad. Yeah, completely. Put that way. Yeah. Um, on a less heavy topic, uh, what up with Stroman? I think that he's been hurt. Yeah, yeah, I think that he's think, just pitching yeah. hurt. That's that's okay. all there is to it. He bar- was barely using his slider. There's a couple other things mm-hmm. that would make you indicate. And look, he hasn't been right since the spring. Yeah. Um, and he never got right, so he's pitching hurt. That that's that's really the only way to explain it. Uh, let me bring up the AL East standings right now. It's weird to say this in baseball, but like we're kind of locked into the playoffs. For <laughs> have you have you seen this? Like, I mean, the Central, well, we know Boston and New York are going to be there. Yeah, Boston and New York are going to be there. One of them, they're they're both tied at uh, twenty-eight twelve, and that rivalry's back. By the way, I'm not sure if you watched the game the other day. When oh yeah, Joe, Joe Kelly came out of the bullpen. That in New York, that was great stuff. So, it appears as though the Indians are going to win the Central. They might win it only win it like only winning like eighty-three games or some garbage. The way the Central's going right now. Um, I think so put some wins together we'll see i agree yeah like i still believe i still believe in the twins so i, I think that stuff will even out in that uh, division but uh houston the angels in seattle yeah yeah that's so all, all three of those teams should be there but the, the year we finally jump off the mariners bandwagon eh? those friggin pylons hey, there, there is seattle. a lot of time left for the mariners to be true. bad at baseball <laughs> that's true you know, I'm pretty sure one of those years they they started out like this for for us. Oh yeah, and we were like it's happening, and then it <laughs> nosedived from there. But uh, that, this would be sweet justice for us. Um, the Blue Jays, by the way, only Seattle and the Angels between them and the second wild card sitting true. at twenty. Yeah, 20. It's, it's, I don't think that matters, but yeah, it's it's not inconceivable, but it seems like for the Blue Jays, everything's kind of like the the rotation. It, it, it feels like the team's being held together with a little bit of duct tape right yeah, now. Yeah, and uh, like the the rotation isn't what we thought it was going to be so far. The Stroman injury, Sanchez has been a roller coaster, and Hap 
has been the most consistent pitcher they've had. Although he got lit up against he, Seattle. Yeah, he got lit up against Seattle the other day. Jaime Garcia has been. I'll get you to five innings, but it'll be messy the entire time, right? And yeah, it's like, five innings, three runs, but yeah. you're going to think that I'm going to give up eight through most yeah, of it. Yeah. Exactly, right? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I, I just... Going forward, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think the Jays top out as? They're going to be a team that wins... I, I My opinion now is about the same as it was before the season, which they're going to win between, like... 82 and 85 games somewhere in that zone they're gonna have a shot in september but they're not gonna get there i'll, I'll never forget in the off season of 2016 i think it was 2016 when i got a text i got a push alert from the score network which is the best uh, sports related app and it said Blue Jays signed Kendris Morales to three-year, $33 million contract. And then I immediately got a text message from you two seconds later going, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, like my Twitter, like I, I looked at my Twitter rants about the contract the other day. They're still there. From like two which, years ago or whatever? Yeah, or whatever. from the yeah. day the contract was signed. Me, me saying, I don't know if I like the idea of paying 36-year-old oh. Kendris Morales $12 million. Like, well, it turns out paying 35-year-old Kendris Morales $11 million is also no fun. Oh. And if you look back on that offseason and think to yourself, okay, there are a lot of bat-only first-base DH-type guys that signed for one year, six million bucks. Why did the Jays not get one of them? I know the argument was, well, you had to make sure you get somebody good, so you wanted to beat the market, blah, blah, blah. They like This front office has made a lot of smart moves since they came in, a lot of smart moves. They horribly misread the market on this. Of course, they, they all did because, like that. Remember, that was the Edwin Incarnacion. Oh yeah, Edwin Incarnacion's just... representation rep- misread the market too. Yeah, uh, oh, but the Blue Jays weird. horribly misread the market on this, and somehow the other major league teams managed to wait this out, and everything was fine. Yeah. Um, Especially for but, Cleveland. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Uh, well, just a mess, mess, mess of a contract. I will say everything that I said on Twitter again. Kendrick Morales has one positive skill as a baseball player, which is putting the bat on the baseball. He cannot run the bases. He cannot play defense. He can do none of those things. But he can put the bat on the baseball, a little bit of power. However, Kendrick Morales, since he suffered that devastating knee injury during that walk-off celebration with the Angels back in 2010, he missed all of 2011. He struggled for a bit in 2012 and 2013, bounced around in 2014, had a pretty good season with Kansas City in 2015. Okay in the second, more than okay in the second half of 2016. But I was thinking to myself, you are paying for 2015 Kendrys Morales. And if you get less than that at the plate, this is a really bad contract. So this is a, that was a contract that, to me, Morales was never going to outperform. And there was a significant chance that he was going to underperform it because all he's doing right now is taking up a roster spot. He he has as many plus major league skills right now as I do. Yeah, there's some power there, but he can't run the bases. He can't play defense in a reasonable way. Like it's just there, it's not it's not a good contract. It was never a good contract. It was a bad contract. The second the ink was dry, I've never understood the people who were defending it. Jonah Carey, to his credit, had the exact same opinion I did about that contract, where as soon as he signed it, he said, what are the Blue Jays doing? This makes no sense to me. And it didn't make any sense. So uh, it's it's just frustrating that like, we're going to have to hear all about the Blue Jays eating the Kendrys Morales $12 million for next year. That's going to happen eventually. Because right now, the guy can't hit. And oh. if that guy can't hit, then why is he on a roster? So... He's got to get gone. 
It's Vlad and like Vlad Guerrero Jr. sitting down there in the in the minor league with right a four eighty something on base and percentage, trolling, yeah, and trolling Jays fans about like he like an hour ago he said something where he was like, yeah, I'm coming up now, and then it was like he was just fucking with people, right? And I'm just like, oh, well, God, you didn't even say it. Guy. He just posted a picture of himself in the New York City airport, yeah, at JFK, and the Jays yeah. are playing the Mets tomorrow, and you're yeah, like, oh, what's go. he doing at JFK? Yeah, but it turned out it was from a long time ago. So oh, there you go. Oh God, so bad. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. Is Vlad going to be up at some point this year, do you think? I don't understand that I can keep him down. Yeah. Like, what, what's he doing down? Like, what's his slash line double A right now? He's hitting, like, 380, 490, slugging over a... Th- like, what? what's the point of him playing that level of baseball? Oh, let me see if I can find it. Vlad Guerrero slash line in baseball reference. Oh, no, sorry, that's... Uh... That's, that's the original that's Vlad Guerrero? That's the actual Vlad Guerrero. Sorry. <laughs> the, the baseball reference gave me the actual uh, uh, top 100 prospects. Yeah, I can't seem to find no, it. No, I'll, I'll find it for you right now as you talk. But the, oh, the no, moral of the story. 326, 423, 565. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was higher than that. It might yeah, be. no, no, no. no you're, I think you're a little bit behind. Yeah, yours might be a couple weeks old because this year he is 5.3 years younger than the average double A player, and his current slash line is 397, 447, 645. Oh my god! What's the point of playing baseball if you're getting on base 44 percent of the time? (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) We have to watch Kendris Morales do like. Vladimir Guerrero struck out 12 times this season. (laughs) He has 13 doubles. How many at bats? How many at bats? And he has 142 plate appearances, and he struck out 12 oh times. Oh my god! That's he has more. He has more doubles than he does strikeouts. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Oh. So he's doing well. Mm. <laughs> now New Hampshire is a little bit of a pitcher's park, and the the, the New Hampshire team, by the way, is loaded yeah. with guys whose dads played in the major leagues because Kevin Biggio. Clemens' kid too. No, he's he's playing at single A. Oh. Uh, Kevin Biggio, Craig Biggio's son, who's yeah. 23, is uh, is hitting 291, 397, uh, 689. So he's killing baseballs as well. Now, the Biggio one might be a little bit of a smoke and mirrors type of thing. Uh, Bo Bichette struggled a little bit relative to the Bo Bichette standards, but the fact that he's a 20-year-old shortstop playing at AA and he's still got a 345 on base percentage, mm-hmm. there's nothing about there. And lights out defense, too. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's doing well. So... Yeah, no one's crushing the baseball like flat, but geez, like that. Those are just ridiculous video game numbers. Ridiculous. And you and I loved Vlad Guerrero. I just, I really want to cheer for his son. I don't think I've had, like, like for our generation, I don't think we've had the guy that we grew up watching as kids and now as full-grown men, like, with their kids coming up. Like, I I think Vlad Guerrero will be the the first... uh, I mean, because I had Matt Kachuk a little bit in uh, with the London Knights. So that's the closest I got. But as far as the... uh, Got the William Nylander situation going on right now. True, yeah, you've got that. So from from my perspective... Although, I guess Paul Stasny, but I, you know... Yeah, but you're a little bit young for Peter. I was a little bit young for Peter, even though, like, those old Peter Stasny highlights with the Quebec Nordiques, I do watch those and go, oh, boy, those look fun. (laughs) So... But yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. So I, I'm really invested in, in Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because I just, oh, and he's got his dad's swing too. It's just, ah, uh, ah, uh, make it happen, Blue Jays. What's wrong with you? Center, center, Kenner's Morales out there. Was he like three for 40 or something these days? Oh, bad. Uh, 
Anything else sports-wise you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I think we're okay. All right. Uh, so one last thing I want to ask you about before yeah. we get out of here. You've been watching the Jersey Shore. Oh, God, yes. Why would, how would I miss Jersey Shore? I got to say, Wow, I think in the last episode, had one of the all-time great moments where I believe she looked Ronnie right in the eye and said, hey, I have a daughter, and if she bring home, brings home a guy like you, I'll know I failed or something like that. Something akin to that. Just look Ronnie right That's... in the eye. And yeah. said that, and it was just like it's hard to get over that Woo! if you're running. <laughs> like, it's just like just drop, just dropping truth bombs all over the place, right? Because it's hard to get over that if yeah. you're Ronnie. I think we have enough evidence to suggest that Ronnie's not a good dude. Right? Here's I, I, obviously the defense for Ronnie was, oh, the relationship with him and Sam was toxic, and that's why he looked like an idiot every they're time he was on TV. Yeah. They were both part of it, like they were both feeding into the toxicity, which, quite honestly, was a believable thing. Like, you know, we're, we're going to spread the blame around 50%. Uh, no one has come off this season of Jersey Shore better than Sam, who is not on this season of Jersey yeah, Shore. that's true, I would say. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Maybe she wasn't the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Ronnie, the problem was the other person. Yeah, and Ronnie has this, like, this baby mama who's clearly a woman that he just, you know, knocked up on a one-night stand and had no yeah. thing for a relationship. But... She's a stunning woman. Like, she was in that show, and she's absolutely beautiful. Oh, hey, Lando just showed up. And uh, yet he was kind of, you know, like like he still prefers hanging out with club trash, right? So <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> right? gross. Like, like that random club trash. Uh, Vinny <laughs> and gross. Vinny diming himself out was an interesting moment. <laughs> yeah, usually Vinny's not stupid. No, that was, the, that was the first time, I think, in the history of the show that Vinny... Uh, yeah, made a made a virtual mistake with the ladies. Uh, lady wise, that was strange. What do you make of the situation so far? I like the situation this season. Yeah, it's a little strange. I, I I feel like he's in that one episode of The Simpsons. There was the the, the kung fu fight between the yakuza and the yeah. uh, and the mafia going on, and Homer was just like that little guy's just standing there. When he does something, you know what's going to be good. I feel that way about the situation in this season where he's just kind of like. Hanging out, not really doing anything, dropping the occasional line, but then when he does something, it's going to be sweet, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and they, they, they had, like, the burn war going back and forth. It was that pretty was fun. fun. Watch, that was fun. Yeah, yeah I've, I've obviously enjoyed DJ Pauly D this season because how could you not? Oh, he's so excellent. He yeah. and, and he's, God, the same he always was and manages to rise above the drama. While still yeah. being, while still just being absolutely hilarious on. Yeah, show. like he, he, like he's just so just such badly needed comic relief when the drama gets to be a little bit too much. Like, oh, I'm gonna need Polly and Vinny to make some jokes right now, otherwise it's gonna be over the top. <laughs> yeah, so and, like, like Vinny's falling apart. Like you're, like, like with his girlfriend on the phone. Like if you, like, like I was just imagining Bob Costas commenting on that, and he's just like, oh, Vinny, he's taking a dive. Why are you doing this, right? Like, and then. Or, and then Polly D's just there, like, taking photos of him with his iPad and stuff like that. It's just like, oh, God. Such a great show. I, I honestly can't believe that this show is good. I really can. Oh, I can. Really? These, I just, these people are just, like, they're, they're just such a great part of our lives. Like, no, I, I, lo- I was excited as soon as I heard about it. Like, I just... I just really, really love th- having these people in our yeah. lives in a regular I, I, basis. I agree, but it, it felt like enough time had passed in a good way, but also a bad way in the sense that, like, Snooki and Wow are both moms multiple times over amongst the two of them now, right? So I'm just like, 
I'm just like, God, like, I enjoyed it when Snooki was single Snooki watching her get drunk and fall down, but now that I know that she has two kids at home, am I going to be like, uh, you know, right? No, yeah, fair, but, you know, here, if, yeah. if you ever feel that way, you're like, think about the fantastic education those children are going to receive because their mom is doing this. Yeah, that's true. Like, she's getting paid. That's true, that's true. And she had that great line when they went to the beach of her being like, I don't want to go to the beach. I don't want to end up on Us Weekly with photos of my yeah. cellulite or something like that. <laughs> Easily her best, like... Oh, yeah. She's had a bunch of great lines. She's had some good lines. She's been great. Oh, God. All right. So uh, that's enough for us. Crossover Podcast available at thecrossoverpodcast.com, facebook.com slash crossoverpodcast, and soundcloud.com slash crossoverpodcast. Twitter account at mpier6. And... Uh, we're going to spin another little promo for the live stream for The Cure that happens this Friday night at 9.30. Uh, check out the Epic Film Guys in the live stream for The Cure on Facebook and Twitter to find out where that is. got to come on at, eight, at 9.30 and donate money during our block because uh, uh, whoever gets the most money donated during their block wins a $50 gift certificate. And I want that gift certificate, Greg. I want it so bad. <laughs> Wouldn't even spend it. I'd just like put it, I'd like frame it and put it in my yeah, podcast exactly. studio. What could, you, like, what could you possibly yeah. get with the gift certificate that would yeah. be more valuable than the gift certificate? Exactly. I just, like, let, yeah, I just want to hold it like a trophy, frame it, and put it in my podcast studio. That's that's what I want to do. Um, so, yeah, check out that. Kevin and I are going to be on that, uh, talking to Justin and Nick from the Epic Film Guys uh, about uh, Krypton and probably other other stuff um yeah so i won't get into too much detail i want to i'll hold all my krypton thoughts for that but yeah we're going to be doing that and uh next week i don't we think we have any tentative plans we'll see how it goes because i do have some stuff coming up that i don't want to mention on podcast so there may not be a podcast next week because of real life stuff but if not uh i think i'll just i don't know if you're comfortable coming on and we can just catch up on the playoffs if you want craig next week because yeah there'll be lots to talk about i'm sure yeah i don't have, we'll anything... have a couple of uh Maybe we we do uh, hmm. the the finals previews together yeah. or whatever. I mean, yeah, exactly. We might know. Uh, we might once once we, once we know who the finals teams yeah. are, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it is. Uh, cool. We'll see how it goes. Next week, no tentative plans. The week after that, though, uh, I believe we have the Han Solo movie will be out by then. So, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely. Uh, be talking about that um craig thanks for coming out this week this was great i had a great time today this was a lot of fun good conversation today and that'll be it and i'll talk to you on friday night hopefully everybody comes and sees the live stream or comes and listens to the live stream and i think it'll be on youtube we'll see anyway uh take care everybody and we'll talk to you next time on the crossover podcast I'm Nick. And I'm Justin. We are the Epic Film Guys, and we'd like just a moment of your time to talk about an extremely important event coming up this May. Last year, we hosted the live stream for The Cure, a 12-hour live stream fundraiser where we raised $2,500 for the Cancer Research Institute. 86 cents out of every dollar raised goes to research toward finding a cure. And this year, we're aiming to smash that goal, and we need your help to do it. Join us from May 18th through the 20th for 30 hours of amazing live stream content from us and a whole host of amazing podcasters who will be joining us to try to reach $5,000. For more information, please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference.